In October of 2018, two podcasters went missing in the woods near Nottingham while recording an episode. Two days later, their recording was found. Cinema Swirl! Stop doing that. You're 30, Kevin. It's episode number 37. <laughs> Hello, everyone, once again. A spooky, a woo, a wah, a yee, Because it is, in fact, Halloween time. If you are listening to this at any point outside of Halloween, please cease your listening to this podcast immediately. You're doing it wrong. This is Spooky Swirl, where things may go bump in the night. One of them is my OTP and a man who's not seen any of the bumps in the night. That is Sam Chaplin. Hello, Sam. Boo. Way. Ghost, 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 ghost. Yeah, just love a good ghost. Yeah. Are you excited, Sam? We are back for, what is this, like the fourth Spooky Swirl now? Maybe the fifth. Maybe the fifth, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like Four. Halloween should Fifth? kind of up its Four. game and have more of a spread across the year so you can use the spooky swirl theme more because for my ear, because I am very, very musical, Sam. I'm, I don't know mm. if you know this about me. I'm very, very musical. And I noticed that it sounds like there's more instruments. So therefore, <laughs> it is a more complex piece of music. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever heard any of the works of Mozart, literally hundreds of instruments he had. He, he had like, shitloads. And he played them all himself, like Dave Grohl. It was amazing. He must have downloaded some, like, expansion for GarageBand to get all those instruments, I, I think. I don't know, man. But, yeah. yeah. Mozart truly was the Mozart of plugins, uh, when you really think about it at the end of the mm. day. So how have you been, Sam? You sound like you've had a, a touch of the pox, a touch of the illness. I've, I've been a little bit under the weather, but I'm all right. I'm scraping by. I'm back in action. I'm ready for a spooky swirl. Say the English way for being sick. Say it, say it, say it, say it. Well, I'm poorly. No, Portly's good. Portly's good. good. But that's not the one I mean. I've got the Lurgy. Yay! Hey, there we go. I've had the Lurgy. <laughs> These silly words. Way. I've been poorly sick. Lurgy. I've had the Lurgy. What is that? What is is a Lurgy? It's a Halloween villain. <laughs> Like a scary monster. They'll come and you get you. You don't knock on every door. The lurgy will come yeah, and get Lurgy'll you. And get you. Steal all your teeth so you won't be able to eat any sweets. I think it just means like not quite a flu. Bit more than a cold. Like an allergy? Allergy? I've got allergies, <laughs> mate. <laughs> you know? And then and then when it was I came down further south, I thought, yeah. is it any relation to Argy Bargy? Because I've heard about that right. as well. <laughs> <laughs> just because you've had the lurgy doesn't mean you can have an argy barge with me all right sunshine yeah oh man do you ever reckon on any barge workers have to put up with argy bargy like do you think that happens i think if you this is a joke that i might have done before but if you, if you had an indian restaurant on a barge yeah you could call it <laughs> onion bargy <laughs> but it would be a barge <laughs> And I guess if someone had an argument there, they'd have an argy-bargy on the onion-bargy barge. See, I think the issue there, Sam, is that Mm. of all the places one could have a meal, a barge is the scariest outside of a haunted house. Like, a barge... Mm. 
Seriously, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would like something that's a little more semi-permanently moored than a barge. Yeah. I don't want a big pole between me and the open ocean. Like, if someone doesn't like the way the meals go, and they're like, well, we're off to sea until it gets better. I don't <laughs> yeah. like that at all. I must admit, I don't even know what argy-bargy even is. It's just an argument. Funny. Oh, okay, because I think there might be an Irish equivalent of that, which is re-ra, August rulia <laughs> Sorry, one more time. Rira, August Rulia Bulia. It's good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's great. Oh, it's true to say about the Irish. They do have the best culture in the world. Yes, silliest words. Yeah, I think I've just realised that argy bargy might be short for argument bargument. I don't know. Okay, so today we're talking about the Blargy Wargy project, which was uh, the Blair Witch Project mm. from 1999. Seminal, spooky, terrifying movie, and one which I'm very, very excited to get into. It is, of course, one of the first ever found footage movies. But mm. before that, let's get some found correspondence, a.k.a. the Haunted Mailbag. Ooh. Is there going to be a special spooky version of the mailbag? Boo, boo, boo. I... Blah. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> I'll just edit that. <laughs> just Blah. Blah. <laughs> So, we've gotten some haunted, hainted, and cursed messages to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Got some nice ones in here. Uh First one coming in from Joe Lawrence, who... As a matter of fact, only went and designed a cracking Fizzy Bastards t-shirt, Sam. He's a friend of the podcast. He is a friend of the podcast. A yeah. dear, wise, beloved friend of the podcast. Mm. And you can still get yourself a Fizzy Bastard t-shirt. How can those lovely people go and become heavy and well-known, Sam? It's only bloody teespring.com forward slash Fizzy Bastards. They're great shirts. They're designed by a good friend, friend of the podcast. Joe Lawrence. Yeah, they write about our t-shirts in the paper. That's how heavy they are. Yeah, they're actually quite comfortable. They're not. They're not too heavy. <laughs> a lead-lined, heavy shirt, <laughs> like you know. They write about it all the time. You know, here's a headline for you: Cinema Swirl podcast releases brand new t-shirt. So there you go. You're hard to hear first. So Joe asks us and writes in and inquires. Mm. Hey, Swirl pals, do you like to do a dress up at Halloween? And if so. What is your proudest dress-up achievement? Mm. Now, mm. I think I think we've been over before how I'm not too I'm not into Halloween that much. I'm not a big not, Halloween not a, guy. Not a wiener. No, I ain't no wiener. All right. Have you ever dressed up though? Yeah. Proudest moment. <laughs> proudest. Proudest. I think I was sort of like smugly proud of my shitty little um, not too keen on Halloween T-shirt. Yeah. But as the night wore on, that I took that out. I thought, oh, I'm just a just a miserable prick, aren't I? I'm just ruining everyone's fun. No one, no one really cares. Come on, Sam. Jim from the office wouldn't give up. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He do a he do a funny look and then steal another man's wife. That's what he do. <laughs> hey, you could you could do you could still rally. I think my proudest one. I went as Hannibal from the A Team one year. Okay. Solely for the fact that at the ripe age of 19, I saw fit to cover my hair in white paint to get the uh, iconic white look. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did, of course, walk up to random people and say, hello, my name's George Pappard. I'll be playing Hannibal and I don't like you, which is what he said to Mr. T on the first day of the A-Team shoot. 
Oh no. I know George Peppard. None but hate in his heart. So that was I, I was proud of that because I, I brought the true spirit of Hannibal to that costume. Mm. A follow-on question here, actually, which is from James Tonyes to both Sam and Kevin. If you could dress up as any film character from anything you've covered on Cinema Swirl for this Halloween, who would you choose and why? A couple of recent ones here. I think I, I would love, and with all due respect to the fizzy bastards, I would love to be a baseball furry. I think that would be particularly <laughs> horrific. Yeah, that'd be really scary. Yeah. You get invited to the the best parties that way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That noise, the uh, the, no, I'd rather not go to a furry party. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to completely slag off a whole thing. I'm all right. I mean, all I'll say for it, Sam, all I'll say for it, right, is that the, the furries generally look very happy, like, literally all the time. They, they, that expression of pure, wide-eyed joy never leaves their face. Everyone no. else, a, a happy a happy bunch of critters. Yeah, they're having a blast. There's no, like, surly-looking furry ever. It's there, like, no, like me, not, I'm not having a good time. There's no. not a curmudgeon one. You don't want that on a night out. No. Failing that... If that was too cumbersome to pull off, maybe mm. Tom Hanks uh, in big, just wearing his fancy ass suit that he wore to that that big corporate do. You know, which kind of phase are you talking about? Like what t- towards the end when he actually is getting the the suits matched? Are you talking like wacky mismatch suit and tie at the start? This is when he comes in into the works do and is wearing like a proper white tuxedo type deal. Ah, I it's see. Okay, bit, it's a bit spangly and it's all fancy. I, I don't think anyone would get that that was. Tom Hanks' character from Big. But they'd have to ask, though, wouldn't but they? But they'd have to go, whoa, what's yeah. that? Yeah. And then you're like, well, actually, and you turn around with look of charm in your eyes. And I've got like, a podcast. <laughs> I've got a podcast. <laughs> and I recently did an episode about a woman having sex with a man with the soul and mind of a child. No, and no, come like, back. Oh, come back. <laughs> excuse me. So I think I'd like to either go for, you know what? I'm going to go a little obscure here, mm. but the, the mayor of uh of amity island from jaws oh, okay, sharply yeah, yeah. dressed man yeah. you know because i reckon well as long as that's in the closet it'll be like okay that's that's a halloween one and done but that's a statement blazer for for summer parties for years to come mm. now when i'm looking now at clothes sam i kind of from the viewpoint of can i see myself wearing this in my 40s that's the new <laughs> that's the new groove like i'm i'm gonna i'm dressing for my age in the future i'm yeah, kind of yeah. future proofing the wardrobe and i think that would be uh that have a lot more allure than any sort of mask or silly costume that i could yeah i think potentially so it's, get. it's more of a wise investment than a a one-off outfit, isn't it? We've got one here from Lloyd Hansen. Hi, Kevin and Sam. From the picture you put on Twitter asking for questions, it made me think, what's the best pumpkin you've ever carved? Or is that even a thing you do over in Ireland? Wishing you tidings of spooky, your boy, Lloyd. I see myself as somewhat of a creative person, but this does not extend to drawing and arts and crafts. I can do a bit now, of that- design here and there. You've done a doodly-woodly here and there. I can do a doodly-woodly, but when it comes to, like, the <laughs> the patience and the precision to neatly carve out a good-looking pumpkin, I, I'm a bit of a mess. One of my um, uni flatmates, he did John Locke from Lost, but he did that thing with the kind of 3D effect where you carve different depths and different levels of light come come through oh because Lars's characters are so richly drawn that we have to have at least three layers of pumpkin <laughs> to adequately yeah yeah fucking yeah come on 
<laughs> Why don't you do a fucking pumpkin with a tattoo on it and do a whole episode about that, huh? How about that? Look, Stranger in a Strange Land was a great episode of Lost, and I will not have anyone criticize it. I will fucking rip that lore to shreds. Yeah, it was a pile of shit, that particular episode. Yeah, so I, I haven't done anything impressive. I'm always very jealous of people who can just, you know, neatly carve out a scary-looking pumpkin or a cool pop culture pumpkin, you know? It's not yeah, me. honestly, gotta tell you right now, I've never carved a pumpkin. Whoa, what? Never, never carved a pumpkin. Never, ever. No, no, and I'm not sure it's an Irish thing. All I'll tell you is that pumpkin carving was not part of the the, the Halloween experience at all when I was oh, growing mate. up. This is a that's a big part of it. Yeah, there's there's Robin for apples. Oh. <laughs> there's and there's Canona, which is Irish for nuts, and mm-hmm. there's Barn Brack, Barn Brack, which is just like. It's like a fruity tea cake, or, right. or a fruit cake, as it's known. And inside there is uh, a cheap ring, which, right. if you're very, very lucky, you won't choke on. And if you're even luckier, you'll get it. And either your wish will come true, or you'll be haunted for a million years, like, you know, a ghost. Like, you'll be visited by the spirits of Rira and Rulabulia, and they will... Uh, <laughs> haunt you for the rest of your days but there was never any pumpkin carving there was yeah. one year my mum got a big fuck off pumpkin but all we did was like we we carved it but we carved it to eat it like we, we cut it up we like you know into, <laughs> we did we made pumpkin soup we made roast pumpkin and then we scooped out all the seeds it was all ah! and then we washed the seeds and then we roasted the seeds in lots of salt and pepper and they were very tasty it's a versatile vegetable isn't it it is and honestly sam i'm not gonna lie to you because that has been my only experience i did happen upon a lot of young folk carving pumpkins uh, mm. when i was in lincolnshire and all i'd see is a a whole lot of mess sam is all i'm saying yeah and a whole lot of waste because i'm pretty sure no one eats any of their pumpkins no it all goes to waste it's a nutritional nutritional vegetable yeah just saying, folks. You know what? At one point during your story, I really wanted to jump in and say, you bloody Catholics eating your barn brack. But I think I've <laughs> fucked up the pronunciation there. But finally, you've yeah, let me in on one of your cakes, mate. One of your weird Catholic cakes. It's pronounced Catholic, uh, as I <laughs> think you'll know. So if you don't mind washing out your mouth out with soap, you filthy Protestant. Have we got any fast Facebook messages, Sam? Fast Facebook time. Yes, we have. All right, here we Fastbook. go. Fastbook.com forward slash cinema swirl. Go quick. <laughs> Get on there. That's face, fast Facebook.com forward slash cinema swirl. Like, comment. I don't think you can subscribe. It's like regular Facebook, but we take your data faster. We just nick it straight away. We've already got a buyer. Yeah. <laughs> Hoovered it up. <laughs> I'm going to edit this to make it sound so fast. So uh, here we go. Oh, bloody hell, it's so quick. It's uh, Blink and you'll miss it, even on headphones. Right, David Emery asks, Have either of you ever been so spooked watching a horror movie in a dark room that you had to turn the lights on? I watched Wreck, but it's in, like, those not-quite-brackets, but the square brackets. On parentheses. Own, I blame the parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Wreck on my own as a teenager, and the final scene was three spooky five me which it, it was very spooky it was spooky you had to turn the lights on have you ever had that experience 
Well, I do like to watch the movies with the, the old lights off. Mm. Um, I may have told this story before, but I did watch Twin Peaks Firewalk with me once. The lights were all off. I was showing it to my friends for the first time. I'd seen it kind of before, but it's one of those things that when you see the impact it has on other people and everyone's very, very quiet, it's a very, very dreadful movie in that terms of making... You know, not that it's a bad movie. Yeah, Dreadful actually, in that it brings a lot of dread. In. Yeah, yeah. And during the, like scariest most tense horrifying scene i heard like a back door open in my house and it was my friend who'd come along and he was mm. dropping off his bike and he like he came in through the back and we uh. were like ah! so we had to turn the lights on there that was uh i'll tell you what i saw a quiet place recently mm. and it was only me and joe in the whole cinema it was like 10 in the morning we had to see it yeah and i'll be honest it was it was very very scary and i have a few points i was thinking oh no I wouldn't mind turning on the lights in this giant room that we're in. But of course, this is the way of the cinema. I was powerless over the illumination of the room. The point I would make about this, that isn't quite what's being asked here, but I watched Hereditary. Oh, that's meant to be proper spooky. It's, it's a spooky, spooky, spooky film. Now, I don't want to get too spoilery because it's fairly recent. But what I did, so when I watched it in the cinema, I was pretty spooked. But I've recently watched it on, uh, on home media, you know. What that allows you to do is to turn up the brightness, if you've got a VLC player, turn up that For brightness sake. all the way up so you can see all the creepy stuff in the background that you, For fuck's you sake, didn't quite Sam. make out the first time. That is literally, it, like, you're lightening up to make it less scary. That's what you do in Fallout when it's a scary cave, like, for Christ's oh, sake. Come that on. thing where it's, like, adjust the brightness so that you can only just see this thing. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm going all the way up. I don't want to be spooked. Um, I, I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> There's some there's some cool little Easter eggs that you wouldn't have seen in a cinema in the dark, you know. If you if you turn that brightness up, you can see some little extra details, some spooky faces hiding away. So what you're saying is people aren't brave enough to turn up their brightness beyond the recommended settings. What I'm saying is that I was experiencing more spooks and more scares. So I'm actually a braver boy for having turned up that brightness. You brought up the average SPM, the spooks per minute. <laughs> I did. Um, so, got another question here. This is from Eddie Bailey, who asks, what's the spookiest spook you've ever been spooked by? Is that the, the most scared you've ever been? Is that what that's asking? What's the spookiest spook you've ever been spooked by? Hmm. It's funny, like, I'm pretty sure that jump scares and people going, ah, and really scaring you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that is the definition of something that the brain does not commit to long-term memory. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. You were just like... <laughs> It would have happened. It would have been very scary. People are like, I'm just getting rid of that. Delete. No. Nope. Put it in the trash. Yeah. Off. Gone. There yeah. you go. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think necessarily like really stressful things like, like, ah, my boiler's not working. That doesn't necessarily, that's a different kind of spookiness, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's, it's more of a real life spookiness. Although, I mean, it's honestly got to be, because I can remember it very, very vividly. And I've said it before, but it's that time when I saw the, the mask, the trailer for the mask. Yes. And it freaked me yeah. out. And that gave me nightmares for fucking ever so that mm. honestly was probably the spookiest thing ever because if something is spooky but then afterwards you're like oh that wasn't real i only spooked me out because it was you know caught me off guard or unawares mm. so fuck that and i you know my brain's just like nope not remembering that and put it in the trash but if it's yeah. something that sticks with you like that that's you know it's genuinely scary because even as an adult i still know why that was scary so yeah the spookiest spook for me is kind of tied for me so one of them was when my brother showed me this website where it was just a nice little fun game, a little flash game. We had to like solve a maze. You had to go around the maze and get out of the maze and it was you had to look really closely to get out of the maze. And then suddenly 
the bloody the girl from the Exorcist pops up and does a big uh, scream. Oh fucking hell! The low hanging fruit. I I remember absolutely shitting myself like it was the the worst I've ever been scared was that thing because I, I I was not at the point where I was like prepared for that level of trolling. I I thought I was just playing a fun maze. I was led astray. <laughs> Do you think when John or Mary Adobe, that's right, my hypothetical creators of Flash, could be yeah. gen, could be could be man or woman. But do you think when when they hypothetically created Adobe Flash that they were thinking, oh, I hope no one uses my tool for evil? Well, I, and, I think and that's is, exactly what happened. <laughs> I think this is back in the days of Macromedia Flash. So I think yeah. Mac, Mac Macromedia, he was an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> he was a uh, darkness in his heart is all he had the monster the adobe twins when they bought it they made it all nice but back in the wild west of the internet there was the scary shit all over the place it was it's the apps the dirt worst but let, let me tell you something pioneers of doing that because you know who it is sam it's people our age older brothers so it's just people mm. who are slightly older than us and oh yeah you were the fucking the big sheriffs in town when it was the proper wild west and now you don't know how instagram stories work <laughs> so don't come fucking crawling to us oh no the internet was pitched to us but not we didn't opt to learn it we just figured it out but we don't know how the latest cutting edge thing oh no how do i make my snapchat lit i ain't telling you i ain't telling you <laughs> Go, you keep walking. The barn's full. You ain't find that here. The other spookiest spook I've experienced, and I've wanted to talk about this for a while. I don't think I have yet on Cinema Swirl. Does that mean you're being a big, brave boy today? I'm being a big, brave boy, and I'm talking about it. it. was at Thorpe Park, and it was on Darren Brown's Ghost Train. Now. He's not that scary, though. I mean, how <laughs> scary can he be? Like, ooh, ah. Ooh, my Netflix special was underwhelming. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> Look at my ticket prices. Wow. <laughs> And then there's a supplementary door for the older being going, Parkins, how much? You're like, ah! <laughs> so fucking scary. Um, My ethics are dubious. <laughs> Look at these releases. Look what I make vulnerable people sign. Ah! So this ride in Thought Park was the, the big ticket at our day there. Everyone was very excited to go on the the Darren Brown ride. I really thought you made that up. Like that that's that's real. No, that's right? real. Is it still there? Yeah, it's it's a VR experience, right? <laughs> we queued up for at least an hour to get on this thing. Now, Darren comes out as a hologram beforehand and tells you not to spoil it for anyone, and so I'm going to try not to. Okay, but what happens is you go on and I'm going to say it, a train and you put on what? Little, sorry, and you put on VR headsets, right? And then you experience this whole thing in VR. And there's, there's so you get like... to see what it's like to be in VR on a train, like to wear a VR headset on a train. <laughs> you sit on a train, you put on the VR headset, and then it just looks like you're still on the train. I'm like, whoa, mate. <laughs> Blown my mind. The capabilities of this technology. Bad time someone uses VR for its true purpose. Now, there were some staff members around who were dotted around, looked like train conductors, who were there to kind of help out and steer you towards things. And we put on the VR things, we went into the experience, it started happening. It was a bit scary, it was a bit chilling at times, a bit weird. There were some spooky goings on. And then suddenly, the VR headsets went not connected and went all fuzzy on everyone's. And we all took them off. And we're like, what's going on? And the members of staff were just standing there, not saying anything. They were just staring. And I was like, oh, no. And we didn't know what to do. And I was like, ah, this is one of Darren's bloody tricks, isn't it? This is one of his mind games. This is what Darren Brown mind control does. He's trying to freak us out. 
He's trying to make, unsettle us. This is part of he's the He's trying experience. to sell DVDs, Sam. That's what he's got the end game here. The VR thing was a ruse, right? This is all a, a real life experience. The VR goes down and then you don't know what's going on. Right? And so the, um, what happened? They stood there for ages and then they rushed us off the train and we went into this other bit and then the whole thing continued, the story that we didn't know had happened from before. So really, it wasn't one of his funny tricks. It had just broken. Oh. And, <laughs> but I, I thought I was so clever for being like, ah, I'm onto him here. I know what's going on. He's fooled us. This is part of the game. It's not. It just fucked up. And at the end of it, they're like, do you want to have another go? Because it broke. Oh. <laughs> it, it, was, it was great. It was, it was a fun thing. But um, yeah, so that was another spooky spook that I've experienced in my life. Terrifying. So today's movie, Sam, the movie du jour, has often cited as one of the scariest movies of all time. Okay. Although most of those accolades came around the time the movie came out. At yeah. the time, people said this was the scariest motherfucking movie of all time. And I'll be honest, this is one which I saw when it came out. Mm. And I remember being very much arms folded. Ain't nothing going to scare me because I'm 11. Yeah. But what have you heard about the Blair Witch Project? And did you get caught up in BWF, Blair Witch Fever, back in the sweet summer and autumn of 99? Now, I was, I think, eight years old in 1999. But my older brother was around your age. Well, how, how old you were then? So he was about 11. So... Again, this ties into the kind of older brother thing, where he... I remember hearing about this film, and I remember this kind of rumour or myth that it was actually real found footage. Yeah. Now, now, that was obviously... If you think about it with any kind of adult mind, it's, you know, just a promotional tactic, a marketing thing. But this was back... And I, I don't want to talk about the Wild West of the internet again, but this was back when rumours and myths could actually persist... And you wouldn't be able to definitely know whether they were true or false. This was before yeah. Wikipedia back in 1999. This was in the infancy of Google. Yeah. This is back in a time when people would actually read something online. And the default stance would be, of course you'd believe it. There was no, yeah. like... I'm not saying that period ended any time recently. There's a lot of people who still think that, yeah, yeah. obviously. But, but this was very a time when it's like, no, the internet is not where rumours and myths go, because it's new media. Rumours and myths are what happened around campfires and mm. idiot scents. Things like chain letters and things like the Blair Witch, those are legit because it's on the media of the internet and I'm surfing the superhighway. We all are wearing sunglasses, so nothing could possibly be incorrect about this information. And why, looking back now and thinking about a lot of that promotion, motion material it might seem a little bit corny or a little Mm. bit kind of like you know oh how could anyone have fallen for that but if you think about the time and i looked at a lot of the stuff recently because joe has done a lot a lot of research about the marketing of this movie she actually did part of her thesis on kind of the viral marketing that they did for this Mm. for the time it's really cutting edge and almost like the self-awareness of knowing how easy it was to spread a myth like this yeah at the time it's pretty admirable but i don't know what do you think about like this? Do you know like much about how they they marketed then and the types of things that they did? Not really. I just I remember just hearing about this film and that it was very scary and that it was real. And because yeah. I was about eight, all these other fucking dipshit eight year olds would be like, "Yeah, it's real." Like we would all be like, "Yeah, this is the scary thing that we're not supposed to watch because we're eight. We're about ten years out of when we're supposed to watch this, but we're of course we're hearing about it." And we're hearing that it's scary, and we're hearing that it's real, and we're hearing that there's murder and death and spooky witches and things, hence Blair Witch. And we, and we didn't have any way to verify that 
it wasn't real. And the thing, no one wanted to seem stupid. No one wanted to seem no. like, oh, you're boring because you think it's not real. Of course it's real. It's fan footage. They like they pitched it in a way where it's like, you know, this is real. Like they weren't like blaring at, at you. It was kind of like yeah. they left enough crumbs there. Like they did pitch that this movie was legitimately a camcorder from 1994 that was found. They did all sorts of things, which we'll get into when we're talking about this, yeah. uh, to kind of to shore up this. This is not like fan-made. This is very much the production company yeah. made extensive efforts to dupe everyone, essentially, into thinking that this was a real thing. Do you know if, like, adult grown-ups fell for this? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> right. It was, at the time, believable that you might find this sort of footage and put it out. Well, I guess it would be a documentary then, wouldn't it? That's what they would have pitched it as. The movie is... We'll talk about the movie is shot and all okay. that, obviously, once we're, we're kind of... We get into it and the actual yeah, yeah. mechanics of making it. But essentially, the movie was bought up quite quickly. The movie was made very, very cheaply. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if you heard it. It's one of the most like profitable movies ever in terms of mm. money put in and money it got out. But they snapped up this very cheaply made movie, this production company, and they released a documentary on the sci-fi channel, which is called The Cult of the Blair Witch. And right. it was basically talking about, like, oh, here's there's this all this stuff that has happened, all these spooky happenstances have happened to do with this town and these woods. And mm. it was quite... Sh- I actually watched it just earlier today. It's quite kind of schlockily done, but it was done in kind of a... Oh, we're not saying, but there's just enough grains of truth here. Like, oh, you know, these people went missing and all these different things happened in the past that maybe they were covered up and did. Did they actually blend some real life stuff into the fake stuff to make it more believable? Or is this all bullshit? It's pretty much all bullshit. But this, okay. is, this is a time before, you know, people could think to do things on the Internet, like look up newspaper records or look up death records, you know. This was all kind of put out because it looked very legitimate and they had like fake newscasters, fake interviewees. Yeah. It looked very legitimate as a result. Mm. And then it just says at the end of this documentary, oh, by the way, they found this camera and they're going to be shown right. it in the cinema. And like apparently there, the word got out like before it was even shown at Cannes and there was like you know, lines down the block. Everyone was going crazy about this, yeah. you know, this found footage that was going to be shown. Like people thought it was like a snuff movie, basically. Okay. Okay, that's crazy. That's like <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, but this was back in a time when you wouldn't just be able to look it up. I mean, I took Jack White at his word when he said him and Meg were brother and sister. What? They're not. And we just didn't know. We just didn't know. We just never knew. Well, now we know. But at the time, we we're just like, all right, cool. And that's what the Blair Witch is about. <laughs> we kn- we know that now, and we know that the Beatles mutually masturbated. It's all <laughs> all coming out now, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me of that of that story. I'm just saying, Ringo, there's still time to chime in and people won't think it's weird. Yeah. I'm just saying. Mm. Clear conscience. You want a clear conscience? I mean, you, you might need to. You, who knows? I've simply too much to do. That's not a good <laughs> accent. But, um... <laughs> Peace and love. You knew about the hype. You knew yeah, about... Yeah. Obviously, you heard the skull butt on the, on the playground. Mm. What do you think the movie's actually about then? So, they some kids, some teenagers... They go into the forest and they try and find the weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> no, that's the Tony Blair Witch Project <laughs> oh, you're oh, thinking okay. about. Oh, all right. So I think that it's presented as, uh, it's teenagers, I think, young kids. Yeah. They have a camcorder and they've heard some spooky shit about this forest, woods, 
Okay. And there's a witch in there. A witch? I mean, witches aren't scary, are they? Well... Sabrina is not scary. She's endearing and teaches me good Christian values. Well, maybe that's why they went in there, because they were teens. And they were like, ah. well, there's, if all witches are teens, we're just going to hang out with another cool goth teen in the woods. Yeah. That sounds fucking awesome. So they, they heard all this stuff about, oh, people went missing, and all this, you know, all this stuff going on with this witch. And they're like, this is baby stories that aren't real let's go into the woods let's film it let's have an ice <laughs> let's have an argy bargy I, I think they're just kind of having a laugh about let's oh ooh, it's scary and then i think shit starts to get real mm. and some of them go missing and some of them get all this spooky shit going on in their lives, yeah? It's funny. I don't think this has necessarily been, like, I know this movie's definitely influenced a lot of movies. I mean, it yeah. pretty much made that whole found footage genre for, for better or for worse. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, actual spoofs and stuff of it. Because you know that's pretty much the plot that the succinctly yeah. there, tied up. Like, we can do a star wipe rating and be back in time <laughs> for tea if you want, like. <laughs> Is that just guesswork, or have you seen? Like, is there no, no, no. spoofs I, that I, I don't know about? I think this is one of those ones that I haven't seen, but I sort of know about because mm. I was very interested in it when I was ah. when it was coming out. Did you and go on Blairwitch.com to get all the fact files? I probably did. This is one of those things that I remember, like my brother and his friends talking about, and other kids at school talking about. And I remember being, you know, a bit upset that I, w- I was obviously not old enough to go and see it, but I wanted to know about it. So I, you kind of hear things from various people over time about what goes on i feel like it has been parodied quite a bit again we sometimes say this quite a lot they're like oh there's been parodies and it's so ubiquitous that you can't even really remember where they've come from because they're all basically the same there's like a girl crying with the camera really close yes. to her face and there's a bright light and what does she say oh there's a <laughs> there's a there's a wit i can't remember i think is it's it something like... strange in the neighborhood <laughs> who are you gonna call Blair Witchbusters! Oh, also, this was just pre-cell phones being all over the place. Yeah. Which is very good for horror movies when you don't have a phone on you. Yeah, they That's did a, a one recently that came out, like, two years ago, and it's just like, come on, they've got apps now, this isn't scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she says. Does she say, like, if you find this, I'm dead? <laughs> <laughs> hey... Hey, Blair Witch, what's up? Uh, you ain't been returning my calls. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> La- last question I have then. Yeah, You're yeah. obviously aware that, you know, your brother and maybe some of his circle or whatnot had seen it. Yeah. Do you remember anyone you know seeing it being scared by it? I remember the kind of buzz around it was that it was scary. But the biggest buzz was that it was real. And I don't know how long that persisted after it actually came out. I think I remember a lot of pre-release hype about this. Like there were so many people who were saying like I remember at the time having friends of my brother who were big into like gore and you know yeah. you know body horror and like you know zombie movies like you mm. know all the the real kind of like in your face proper gross out horror stuff. You know like horror fans who like pretty much laugh when they see like heads exploding and stuff like that. You know people who, who really enjoy the, Billy Keeble basically. Those yeah, types. Yeah. And I remember them kind of saying that this was different because there was no tricks or whatever, because it wasn't like, boom, explosion or blah, you know. Yeah. That's what made it scary because of how real it seems. But like, I haven't seen it since I was a little kid. And there's a lot of times you went on Spooky Swirl where I'm like, you know what, as an adult, I probably am still going to be like, Exorcist still freaked me out. Shining Mm. still freaked me out. Even Alien gave me the heebie-bejeebies. 
But I don't know about this Blair Witch Project. Do you think that without all the smoke and mirrors and knowing now that it's not like, I'm sorry, there's no way we can keep this kayfabe alive. Witches are actually real, no matter what Minecraft tells you. Well, what's that behind you? Ah! <laughs> it's the Tony Blair Witch. She's crying in dis- disingenuously. Ah! <laughs> but, Sam, yeah. do you think you're going to get scared? I think probably. I think a film like this could not be successful on that kind of buzzworthy reputation of, you know, a, a kind of almost an ARG alone. It would also have to be good, Yeah, I think. So when you said ARG, I thought you meant like Arge as in Argy-Bargy, <laughs> you know. An ARG-Bargy. B-A-R-G, yeah. An alternate reality Bargy. Because <laughs> I'm going into this kind of thing, right? This is either going to be like, oh, okay, this was all just hype and smoke and mirrors, or mm. this might genuinely be like a really classic horror movie. I get the sense that it, it will probably be one of those things that is very much of its time. I, I haven't heard many people coming back to this that much. I know there was a, a sequel. Because <laughs> I was working yes. in the cinema when that came out. There's another sequel as well, Sam. Oh. There was Blair Witch 2, which is which is not found footage. And that was a cash grab. And that right. was... Uh, that was shockingly poor. But yeah, no, there was one that came out like, like two or three years ago. You would have been Just cinematic at the time. Yeah. yeah. And it was meant to be like a, a sequel to this one in, in ways. Right. But I think it was kind of like the magic is a bit lost. It didn't do very well. No, they had apps, so, I mean, why, why would it, yeah, why would it just, do well? Like, I, I feel like it might have aged weirdly. It was a fucking huge deal at the time. Yeah, and I'll tell you who was really scary for it would have been all the Gen Xers who'd have been like, what? how are they multi? How are they going between apps? I turn off my phone every time I want to close Twitter. <laughs> I don't know how it works. L- luckily, there's a generation of people who know how it works less. Oh, what's that? Old people are the fastest adopters of social media and technology, faster than young people. Wow, how's about that? Up your game, Generation X. Yeah? Yeah. There's no Generation X excuse for your lack of knowledge. <laughs> hey Come on now. Right. Ow! Are we going to watch The Blair Witch Project? You goddamn right we are. I Oh, look! I've... Sam, what is this? I have found a camcorder from 1994. It's fucking massive. Let's go do a cinema swirl. <laughs> Put it in the VHS. <laughs> All right, we'll pop it on. Let's go do a cinema swirl. folks sam's got missing in the woods so it's just me now oh i'm in a scary house ah the brickwork's rubbish we're back from the blair witch project romping around a field in maryland no better way to spend a sunday afternoon sam i sent you a message just as you settled into this movie Mm. with specific instructions do you recall what they were no you didn't get my message no i said to watch the movie in the dark oh (laughs) i I didn't get that message but i did anyway you did anyway that's good well, that's because yeah, yeah. I was using my powers of mind to infiltrate your brain. I had my smart bulbs set to red, but they were quite dim. So I could still see my writing when I was writing my notes for this episode. Smart bulbs, eh? Smart bulbs, stupid man. 
Does that kind of detect the ambiance of the movie and sets appropriate lighting? No, I just told it to be red. Oh, it's smart because it does what it's told. It's a very regressive theory of uh, intelligence that you have there, Mr. Chaplin. It is, kind of. Yeah. All right, let me ask you something. Mm. Were you scared, and what was your initial gut reaction? I wasn't as scared as I thought I was going to be. Were you, you were settling in for AE, were you? I was settling in for some real spooks, some real scares here. Some freaks and eeks, some like. Some freaks, eeks, maybe some beaks. And I didn't get <laughs> any of that. It wasn't unscary. It was tense. It was very tense. Tense. It okay. was tense. It was quite gripping. I was mm. into it. I liked it a lot. Mm. Yeah. I don't feel super freaked out. Does it seem like you missed the ideal chance to watch it or the ideal time to watch it? Because I, I didn't see this in the cinema because I, mm. you know, I was only uh, 11. And, you know, they don't play fast and loose with the rules in the cinemas when I was a kid. Like, no. you know, like this is Charlotte over here. But when I was a kid, like I saw it on video. And so mm. that obviously has less of an impact. And, you know, speaking recently about my experience seeing A Quiet Place in the cinema mm. and knowing how much more impactful that was being in the cinema Do you feel that this one would have had more of a one-two punch if it was in a different setting? Probably, and honestly, if I'd have watched it a good few years ago, back around release time, I think. Mm. I don't know if if it's one of those things where it has since influenced other films. Oh, it definitely has, And those films have ramped that shit up. They've been like, let's do that, but let's put some bonus scary shit in there. And Mm. I'm almost desensitized a bit to just regular old tension you know hitchco- hitchcockian kind of yeah i, I know what you mean because like, we're living in a world now where found footage is like it's it's very passe well yeah you could it, go as far as to say like it's it's kind of like it's not it's not a new thing that's very much like if you find out it's like, there's a new movie coming out this halloween and it's found footage most people probably go oh fuck off like that would actually yeah. work against it as opposed to being a USP like we have here. Imagine if you had never seen something presented like this. Then we're in a, in a different zone, you know? Yeah, and I think it, at the time it was. It was completely fresh and unique. So yeah. that's got to make it more scary. Like the idea of someone holding the camera and you hearing their breath getting more and more tense. Mm. Like they never explored stuff like that. That's like a that's taken for granted now. I, you know that you hear all that stuff and you get inside their heads and whatnot. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a, a silly Billy and that like that. I wanted more scary monsters jumping out. <laughs> I, I appreciate what they've done here and how it works. I actually I do recall like as soon as we watched this, we set, I settled into it and like you know it was maybe an hour in when stuff starts going freaky. Yeah, I do distinctly remember a recurring thing that people did on the pitch and skill was to. to get small mounds of rocks and start going ah! right, yeah, running yeah. around because a small pile of rocks had been collected which as we all know is very scary shit indeed it, i mean yeah within the context it is but <laughs> decontextualized stones are rarely scary at all unless yeah. you're like you know someone who had a really promising geology career and now brought you nothing but dread and then you see one and it just kind of brings it all flooding back. We open up with the villain of the piece because Kevin's done a little bit of research because his partner is an expert in the marketing of this particular film. Mm. But Artisan Films, the crowd who picked up this for a bit of a song. Now, it's always talked about how this movie costs very little and made loads and loads and loads.
roads. Now, this ain't no George Lucas story where it's like, ah, my cup doth run it over and I've no mates and I don't appreciate the inherently evil structure of Hollywood. So I'm going to give all my extra money to all the actors and all the people who helped make it happen. Now, the actors got paid fucking nothing, like diddly right. squat. I'm not, not actually nothing, but essentially nothing. Mm. The actual filmmakers themselves the the two directors they directed they wrote like a treatment for it together they only got paid like a million they got a bought up for a million by this company artisan studios and they right. made like hundreds of millions from this yeah and they were the ones who did that whole drive of try and make it seem like that it was real and stuff yeah the viral marketing the viral marketing now we talked about the viral marketing being you know pretty cool idea and mm. all that jazz but i want to know if you knew about how they may have overstepped their bounds let's just say in the promotion of this movie i mean did you notice what was conspicuous by its absence in the credits i, d- I didn't stick around to watch all of the credits but it didn't seem to have a cast yeah the cast are not mentioned well i get but then that would ruin the immersion of it wouldn't it it would and you know what else they did to keep that immersion going Mm. they imdb just started when this movie came out right and they literally put them on there and said that they were all dead oh wow okay oh yeah so i mean that's dedication to the kayfabe well it's dedication on the behalf of the fucking company not they didn't okay it with the cast they just did it well these like promising young actors have been declared dead. Yeah, on the agent. I can't book you, Heather. You're dead in this town. <laughs> like literally and figuratively, your career is dead. They apparently, and I've read a lot of interviews with the cast and whatnot because I've I felt quite you know touched by their plight. Yeah, and apparently they would get like their parents were freaking out because they kept getting all these phone calls saying, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry about what's happened to your son or what's happened right. to your daughter." And they'd be like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah. And another thing, right? While we're having a pop at these big production company, Artisan Movies, who are doing so well for themselves that they're no longer in business, yeah? Mm. Who would have thought Artisan Movies didn't have as much staying power as Artisan Food and uh, <laughs> Deli Items? Who would have thought? But the main girl, Heather, they use all their real names as well. Like, Heather yeah. the main girl in this. She was the, the, the main... That is her actual name. I did try and quickly look up, like, oh, who are these guys? And I'm like, oh, their names are the names of the people. Yeah, they gave yeah. them their actual names. And, like, for the documentary, you know, a spoof documentary I told you about they like interviewed their family and stuff like that as well to like put it over as oh, being shit. real but they made fuck all money from it and then mm. the movie of course explodes and takes off and is like the number one movie or whatever for, for so many weeks the main girl Heather she was driving through Hollywood the, the weekend the movie came off and like mm. you know struggling actor her car breaks down she gets off and she's like oh man can you believe it I'm underneath a billboard with my fucking face on it and I can't even afford to get my car fixed right. and she was on she did an interview for the local paper then later on her hometown paper and relayed the story saying oh god can you believe you know i must be the poorest famous person in hollywood lol ha 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 haven't mm. been good spirited and then ours and movies rang her up and said you can't say that stop doing interviews you're meant to be dead and stop telling people you didn't make any money stop talking about the movie Fuck. but don't worry because yeah. every cloud has a silver lining because obviously they saw that she was struggling as an actor in hollywood yeah. and not making a lot of money after this so they sent her a fruit basket that contained Pears and water crackers. <laughs> Fucking hell. Ah. Oh. Yuck. Uh, there should be a film about the making of this film. It's fucking horrible. It's yeah. so horrible. Because think about it, right? These guys were sent out this cast. 
they were sent out they were given cameras by the creators they said oh, here are the cameras off you go they basically told them you know improvised none of the dialogue was written there was a general scope of where they were going to go yeah. they told them just to go off into the woods they gave them a GPS so they could find caches with food and instructions like they'd Hold open on. up whoa 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 yeah. whoa whoa Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Directors, writers are not there. No, they weren't. They only were there Fuck from off. a distance. Really? Yeah. They would let them go off, go wander. Basically orienteering. They'd have a cash yeah, point yeah. and a GPS. And it's like, right, you film yourselves. Off you go to the next bit. When they got to the next point, they'd open up. There'd be some food in there. And it would say, you know, Heather, you feel you have to go south now. No matter what anyone says, you have to go south. Or there'd be one saying, Josh, you're going to lose your cool before the next shipment so you know find a point where it feels good to freak out so this was all improv so these guys not only were they the cast and the principal photography they were also the fucking writers because they wrote all the dialogue and they made all that tension and all that drama and they got no fucking they got fuck all money it's so shit so the directors weren't really directing a lot of it i mean they were giving kind of like direction but they weren't they didn't plan the shots no so they, 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 there were probably some beats that they needed to be in there and some shots maybe, but it's crazy to think that a lot of this came as well, like from these group of three youngsters and like, they've all done interviews since. And they said that it was, some say it was like, it was a bit of fun way, whatever. Yeah. But I think generally speaking, the consensus was that it was a quite a, a hard going shoot emotionally because they were like, they legitimately did get lost a few times. They right. were out in the cold. They were completely cut off. They all did have a bit of, you know, got a bit stir crazy. Uh, they were really hungry all the time. And what they would do is they would just try and, you know, egg each other on like an improv thing or whatever. And they had a right. safe word if they went too far, which was taco. And they said they regretted that because it just made them hungrier than they already were. <laughs> so the fact that they're using their real names. Yeah. And when they're doing that. When they're kind of fucking with each other a bit as actors messing around, but also they're probably filming everything. So mm. there's some kind of blurring of the lines here in terms oh, of... Oh, yeah. There is at least one scene, which we'll get to, and yeah. I'll tell you, the, the one I know for definite was because they were... Like, that was legitimate arguments. Like So they did actually, the directors, when they were putting it all together and editing mm. it... I think they drew on a lot of the actual real-life tension. Because, uh, you know, it's not as if it was like, all right, camera's off. Wait, now we're having fun. It was, like, kind of like that a lot of the time, apparently. Right. That Okay, that makes that makes a lot of it make sense. And also what the directors would do, even though they would be there while they were shooting, mm. when they went out and, like, went to bed and shit, they would do things like play the, the recordings of the noises. <laughs> and hell. they would, like, rattle the, the branches against their tents and they would put the shit out there. Right. And, like, I thought originally when I heard that it was like oh does that mean like they were kind of legitimately going a bit crazy and oh no there's actually kids out there but generally speaking what it was was they would hear like you know a child crying and then be like oh for fuck's sake we have to start acting again now wake up at four in the morning (laughs) (laughs) wow so i just yeah i wanted wanted to just start us off with that just so we kind of know because i think the movie almost takes on a different life it really does yeah. And that's how I was watching it this time, which is kind of like Josh and fucking Heather clearly hating each other at the end of this shit. Wow. Yeah. Ain't no Blair Witch reunion's going to happen. No. Oh, okay. That that kind of reframes my entire understanding of a lot of this. So that's, that's cool. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> yeah. 
hey, no, no bother. We open up with some disclaimers about how this was found footage from a massive camcorder in 1994. Yeah. I was going to ask you, a lot of people have issues with found footage because it gives them motion sickness and a bit, uh, yeah. and a bit of an uppy tummy. Mm. Uh, how are you in terms of the low-quality first-person camera work? Yeah, it was all right. It wasn't too juttery, and when it was, it was fine. I think because these are like ostensibly kids trying to make a film a lot of the time and even when they're doing the kind of dicking around b-roll footage they're still trying to make it not look shit in the context of the canon of the film so you're basically telling me you knew firsthand what it's like to be a media student trying to make something not shit yeah (laughs) i think a lot of this did feel familiar especially in the early bit when they're kind of earnestly trying to make this documentary and it's it seems a little bit shit but in a in a nice way yeah you kind of frame the characters as your kind of the, the stereotypes of media school you've got like heather who is the she's the visionary she's got a, an idea in her head about this and how it's going to go and obviously is thinking a bit bigger than just what they're doing at the moment you've got mike who's a bit of a grumpy curmudgeon but seems somehow necessary so everyone tolerates him and then you got josh who seems to do most of the work and is very very cheerful and takes a lot of shit it's mm. pretty much everyone i met when i moved to lincoln yeah pretty much yeah it's <laughs> it's a very kind of group you get forced in into at uni and they say oh go make a film go on guys yeah. and you yeah there is a lot of kind of tension and different dynamics in it it's the type of tension that ensures a healthy mix of the capable and the ignorant Sam. yes yes yeah so they're straight up docking they're heading around somewhere called burkittsville formerly known as tony blair <laughs> where they interview some strangers and locals you know all the buddhists Mm. including Mary Blake, who is a professional old crone, telling her tale, saying that she saw a lady who was hairy like a horse. Yeah, um, the Blair Witch? More like the Hair Witch. Wait. That's one of my jokes there. I've done that now. (laughs) That's okay. Thank you. It's quite a a good, scary description of a witch there. What, hairy like a horse? That's not... (laughs) That's not my understanding of what a witch is, but it's it's creepy. The idea that there'd be this furry woman. You yeah, know? I mean it's it's less of a witch and more of a uh, Bigfoot type description that we're getting here. Yeah, yeah, maybe they've thought about this the wrong way. You know what? Just because it's a woman, you have to be oh witch. Women can be Bigfoot too. All right. Yeah. Women can have big feasts. Yeah. It's, it's perfectly okay. It's all right. Here, what did you reckon? Here's, here's my fan theory, yeah? Yeah, like, yeah. They talk to the lady who's got a little kid, and she's like, I know about the Blair Witch! And the kid's like, no, shut up. Yeah, that was mm. great. And she's like, come on, I'm telling the scary story. And she's like, not me! Your voice sounds like daggers in my ears. Shut up, mom. Yeah. Oh. I, I'm wondering whether that's like just a great coincidence that they managed to get it like that. Because that's quite clever if they did that on purpose. Well, actually, Sam, what it is there, you yeah. may have not notice this because, gosh darn them, they're such a great fucking actor. But that was actually character actor Naomi Watts in a young role, appearing as a small child. Thus is the power of uh, Miss Watts and her ability to, to lure you in with her, her guise of acting. Pull the, pull the wool over your eyes there. I bet you were thinking it was Tom Hanks. Is, is it legit, Naomi Watts? Sam? I, I don't right know there. how old Naomi Watts is. Sa- Sam, that's my joke. Hey, I'm, come on. I'm genuinely not we have sure fun here. who Naomi Watts is. I thought, okay, we might have to snip that out because I sound like a fucking idiot. Naomi Watts? More like Naomi what? <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's quite, it's quite a clever shot. And I can't tell whether that was intentional or, uh, you know, happenstance. 
totally intentional. Yeah. Like, they have the nice mix here of the locals who are like, oh, yeah, I heard about that silly thing to one who's kind of like, oh, you don't want to go down by the old Blair Witch Woods, you know. Ooh. But these locals are, are presumably also, you know, actors. Yeah, no, I don't think these are legitimate yokel locals. No, I know, but These like, are, yeah. So, I don't know how they managed to keep up this whole, like, they're all dead. I, I don't know, it's, it's weird. No, they're not. I mean, those are all actors. Those are all actors. Yeah, they yeah. all have credits. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's literally like camera on you talk for two minutes about this made up thing. You know, it's just all improv. Because you know what, Kevin, with your bloody convincing, I'm like, is this real? What is reality? Who is Naomi Watts? What even is Naomi Watts? Yeah. Like, you know, is, is Naomi Watts like a very, very young person? I don't know. Is Naomi Watts younger than me? I don't know what you're all thinking right now. Gotta get that Naomi Watts skincare routine Mm. because I I want grown men to mistake me for a child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here, which of the three crew members did you empathize with most? Because for me, I'm hashtag Team Heather. Yeah, I think I'm I'm Team Heather as well. I think in a lot of these situations, it's not implied that they're doing this for school, is it? They're just some kids trying to make a film. In the fake documentary, they yeah. interview the fake professor of their film studies course, and he's like, oh, she was one of like the, the promising students. So yeah. that kind of leads you to believe okay, that this so is yeah. a student project, one would imagine. I mean, the fact that they're renting all this equipment and stuff seems to be that they probably do that from their school or whatever. I know enough people who've done media degrees to know that getting things back to the media loan is... Big deal. Big deal. Yeah. Either that or just steal it. That, that's well, the if, other thing. If you don't get it back to them, you you won't be able to media loan anything else. <laughs> if you don't get it back to them, you'll have to steal it. Like, yeah. You'll have to deal with that. Like It's like, well, it's mine now. So <laughs> Damn! I think in, in those situations where you get... I mean, they're voluntarily coming together, I think. Josh and Heather are mates. And the other guy knows Josh. He's got some equipment or something. They'll come together and make a film. But in those situations, someone ends up having to take a proper leadership role. And I know she's the yeah, director, yeah. but also in terms of that group dynamic, she's trying to hold all that shit together. And I think when push comes to shove, I'd sometimes end up putting myself in that position. I would happily just be quiet and be in the background. But usually, but when... you'd rather take over if it if it meant that it's not going to be done well otherwise. <sighs> I think if we're like... not going to be done at all. Yeah, that's the thing. When everyone's just like, oh, whatever, I, I will eventually just be like, all right, cool. Let's. I'm going to try and steer this ship. Let's go. You know, people like you get booted off The Apprentice week oh, fucking absolutely. two. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be like, all right, I'll be uh, I'll be team leader for this one. Gone. Week I'm one. Lot, I'm, a, I'm a lot like you, Lord Sugar. I'm a coward. <laughs> <laughs> Day two. And they yep. go chatting with a couple of fishermen who've not got a patch on the two bobs banter. It's fucking talking about kids dying and fucking people go missing in haunted woods. Mm. Talk about your shit hearts, mate. That's way more fun. So there's one thing that's established here by some of the local yokels and that's that there's some scary hermit man who mm-hmm. kidnapped a bunch of kids and then some guy's like, oh, I heard he used to make one of them face into the corner and then would kill the other one and then bring the other one back and then kill the other one. He didn't like people looking at him while he's killing. <laughs> like, my, my cat is like that when he's pooing. <laughs> What? He put you in the corner, then he'll shit. Yeah, like, he'll make me turn he'll bring around. Another human to go in the corner, <laughs> and he'll do another shit. Like, how many shits does your cat take? Seven. <laughs> Maybe this this murderer is just a bit, you know, self conscious about his murdering. Didn't want anyone looking at him. That's fair enough. It's very, you know personal thing why are you empathizing with the murderer look if we're not gonna empathize with murderers then <laughs> what are we even doing this podcast what are we for, doing man? here you know what are we doing so yeah that's an interesting detail and then also some kids have gone missing lots of people have gone missing there's a witch 
There's some white mist coming out of the water. All heebie-jeebie mumbo-jumbo nonsense. Well, guess what? I watched the documentary earlier, and they revealed Mm. that the original Blair Witch, allegedly, according to their fake bullshit records, was actually from Ireland and came over on one of the coffin ships in the 1700s to escape the dreaded famine. Coming over here with her fucking curses, bloody Catholic Irish Cursing the land, stealing our children, eating yeah. their bones. Eating that Barney Brack or whatever it's called. What was your special cake called? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? It's called Re-Raw August Rulia Boolia, and you know that's what it's okay. called. Yeah. Now, it's probably not an appropriate time, considering that they were going to somewhere called Coffin Rock. Which sounds like a genre. <laughs> it does, isn't it? Coffin Rock. Yeah. It's what uh, Danzig got into once he kind of was less angry. He just kind of got into a bit of <laughs> Coffin Rock, like. That's some like Coffin Rock, guys. But no, uh, when they're going to Coffin Rock, I wrote down, Ooh, I love a good ramble, me. Yes, I mean, some of this mm. does look quite um, enticing in a way. Yeah, because we know how to use our Google Maps, don't we? So it'd be fun. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'd quite like to go on a hike, maybe. I've played Firewatch. So, I think it would just be the same as that, but less sad. Dear Diary, we're on my first hike today. I'm very disappointed at the lack of sexually ambiguous chatter on my headset from someone at a neighbouring fire tower. Also, they don't exist in the UK. WTF, zero star TripAdvisor review for this hike. But... You know, it it does look a bit... It does kind of look fun. Yeah. When it's daytime and they're just like, um, we're going through the woods, goofing around, having a laugh because we're a bunch of young people. It seems nice. Reading out their silly passages about men being stacked up and having their intestines ripped out. Now how will you shit? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what was that bit? I can't really remember the details of that. Some men got murdered. It's their fake book, which they claimed was like the legitimate source of this legend called The, the Cult of Blair Witch. And right. They're like, oh, there's only one copy. It's from a bookseller. Yeah, right. Mm. You pulled it out of your rear end, mate. You can dip that notebook in tea all you want. I know a moleskin when I see one. You pulled it out of your intestines and were left for dead time. <laughs> to the feet of several other men right but yeah it's basically it they're saying that it's kind of like a ritualistic stacking up of bodies and it's like there's enough evidence to say that they were still alive when it was happening and Mm. essentially how they stack up the rocks and stuff later on it's the same way from the passage she's read in the book right okay yeah yeah luckily they're all too thick to figure that much out. They're just mm. like, ah, rocks! Yeah, I mean, they're kind of, you know, goofing around about farts and stuff in the tent, aren't they? They're, they're having a laugh, hanging yeah, out. Yeah, but then noise starts up, doesn't it? Yeah, and th- I mean, they're already kind of lost. They're already a bit like, I don't know where we are. But she's kind of pretending, like, oh, no, no, I know where we are. No. No. Have you ever been lost? I've watched Lost. <laughs> I got lost in Lost. I, you know what? I found myself in the television series Lost is actually what happened. Would you just fucking answer that? Come on now. (laughs) Stop talking about Lost. It's a genuine question. Have you ever been Lost? No. A TV show that no one likes. Uh, Well, actually... Answer me! Come on! Some of my friends on the Dark UFO forum, which was about various TV shows, but it was a big part of it was about Lost, would disagree with you about nobody liking it. All right? So, you know what? You can get lost. For fuck's sake. Have you been lost? I don't think so. I just want an anecdote about fucking being lost. Have you ever been lost? I'm trying to think if I've ever been lost. I got lost once quite badly on a road out in County Mayo where 
basically the two main roads mm. both had accidents on them like just freak luck yeah you know, I don't know if it happens in England but in Ireland sometimes if there's a car accident what happens is just a man will come out just some random lad and they'll be like go on drive down this way instead go and he'll just point people off yeah, like, yeah. and it's like oh, okay I'm going onto this farm dirt track now yeah it's one of those things that it was before the Tom Tom had thought to, to map the they had mapped the highways but not the byways of rural right, County yeah, Mayo yeah. so we were pretty much like it wasn't just me it was like three cars just in a row like we were just driving for eight, what felt like forever going through all like trying to find a way out and every time we got out we ended up back on the road and the man was like no back that back way back you like, go <laughs> look all right, mate there's not gonna be another car accident is there I'll just fucking <laughs> drive around it like Jesus <laughs> I'm just saying when I in my car accident we let people through yeah yeah I put my hazards on I had a cry and people drove around <laughs> oh. and got home on time yeah so Josh is playing peacemaker all the time. He's trying to let a cooler head prevail. Mm. But there's legit tension here. And this is like some of the scenes like where there was tension that was actually building up. Right. Uh, particularly between Heather and Mike, apparently. There was a lot... Like, they did actually get lost a few times when they were doing okay. this. And I think getting lost and then also getting lost and having all that equipment and knowing you have to do all this stuff for a movie and then kind of wondering, is this even a good idea? Mm. And also you being lost means that you're not going to get your food or whatever. And also the dread and the unknown of what's going to be your next instruction and not, you know, they are all in a way pitting the actors against each other because you're not, it's kind of like, you know, if you go to a, like a murder mystery party where it's like, oh, you get a bit of info, but you're not meant to tell anyone. They weren't allowed to, Sam has not been to a murder <laughs> mystery party. I was going to say, who do you think I am? <laughs> someone who may have been to a murder mystery party they're a lot of fun oh. people at home I'll turn to you instead that's it we'll have a nod look into my kind twinkly eyes but you know you do that and you get like a piece of paper and it'll say like oh you've got the jade monkey but you make sure you tell no one that it'll make them a cursed virgin for the rest of their lives no idea Kevin I've never done it I'll stop it the cinema swell audience come on Talk more about Lost, said no one. Uh, so, there we go. I tell you, we talk about tension between these actors, but that's a bit of it right now. But the idea that you are in a scenario or a scene, and you know there's an ultimate mm. end goal that's kind of elusive to you all. Yes. And you know that the person, you never know, like the person across from you could be like, been told something like their direction could be, be a fucking dickhead to Heather or be a shit to Josh. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you kind of, there's a bit of paranoia thing at play there. You can tell, you know, not to take away from their performance, but you can tell they're kind of getting quite pissed off at this point. Mm. Yes. Now, I, I'm trying to work out whether the reason why all this shit kicks off is because when they come across these scary rocks for the first time oh scary rocks and they knock one over by accident is that what kicks shit off that they've moved the rock formation yeah i think so yeah they've disturbed the order of things well because they woke up in the middle of the night and they heard more noises again and mm. then when they woke up they saw that the rocks were there and it was like wow rocks and if it's kind of like if you like to think of it from a different perspective if that was the flintstones and fred laid eyes on those rocks that would have just been like a tall stack of money because that's yeah. their currency wasn't it like so that would be like the equivalent of in real life someone opening up a suitcase full of money for the Flintstones to seeing like a, a, a nice ornate pile of rocks. That's a real kind of glass half full kind of approach there, Kevin. That like if you're in any kind of situation, just think, well, what would the Flintstones think of this? What would their reaction be? <laughs> yeah, if you're being buried alive in a gravel silo, just be like, well, Fred Flintstone would be in hog heaven. Yeah, exactly. You'll feel a lot better about it. They wake up and there's three piles of rocks outside. That's too many. They came across seven earlier, right? Yeah? Yeah. For all of the seven dead 
children, probably, uh, I think. Uh, and see? now they wake up, they move to a little camp for a bit, they wake up, there's three piles, because they're all going to die. Yeah. And that's the end of a Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Is that why you think Tony Blair thought there was weapons of mass destruction? They were just like small piles of rocks Saddam Hussein had put out for a laugh. Because <laughs> you know, you know, Hussein was a proper Blair head, like not Tony the witch. Yeah, he him and all his doubles. They'd be like, oh, come on, we'll have, a, we'll have a bit of fun with the with the royal guard. Come on, go on, don't be fucking lame. Come on, get the puzzle rocks. Now hiking is fun. Mm. Hiking while arguing is hell. Yeah, doesn't seem Ooh. good. And this is where it got really scary for me. Mm. Where one of them was like, I'm meant to be at work in 9am. Is that and the scariest oh, thing to you? Like, oh, that, shit. I was like, oh, oh, man. If you're not expecting to stay overnight somewhere another night, and you've yes. got it. Yeah, I had that oh. after a gig. You know what? We I couldn't get my last train home. I had to stay at Dan Nicholas's house. <laughs> and he, oh, that's all right. It was great. Well, I stayed yeah. there. Wait, was that me and you together? No, I was, we stayed. This was another time. It was just me. And then we had to drive to the station in the morning. It's very, very close cut for me getting to to work the on office. time. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Similar kind of vibe. <laughs> Similar vibe here, definitely. And I'm sure our friend Dan will be very happy to know that you're equating his lovely home, sorry, his lovely house, which he made a home, mm. to a fucking tent in the middle of Maryland in 1994. Yeah, but when I got out right. of the front door, there were shitloads of rocks, mate. <laughs> yeah. So it's nighttime again, and mm. there's more noise, and they think it's a deer, but it's not. They wake up in the morning, and they've got. No, they're not goth kids who've got like, rich parents. They've got new rocks, though. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that's a good one. Come on. Now, what I've just realized while looking through my notes is that a lot of things in this film happen a few times. Like, the mm-hmm. main thing is, like, they wander around. They argue a lot. Oh, stop being reductive. Come they, on, now. They shout a bit. They go to sleep. Shit happens in the night. They wake up. There's some rocks or some yeah, twigs. Baby. Right? Mm. Or some weapons of mass destruction. You know? And it's like, it's just again and again. Come on. Like, I, I don't know where I am in this, in the, this film now. I'm a bit lost. Are they, they, well, have they lost the map yet? Has the map they gone? They have lost that. Mike's having a bit of a giggle because he's going, because he says he kicked the map into the creek. Yeah. Which I like the idea of someone kicking a small piece of it. You threw it, mate. Don't fucking Yeah, you lie. can't really kick. A piece of paper. It's not dramatic. His laugh is quite scary. I thought at that point that part of the situation was that he was going to go mad and kill the other two. Oh, like a possessed, you think? When he was laughing a lot, I was like, he's laughing a bit too much here. Yeah, he's finding this... It's not that funny to get rid of a map. Maybe that's what's happened in the night. He's been got, but they don't realise until he starts giggling and guffawing. But no, it just makes him kick a map. Well, it can't go on too much longer, his big comedy bit where he's doing this big laugh, even though he's told, like, literally no jokes. And kicking a map is, like, two out of ten funny, at least. Yeah. But they then come across Blair Witch merchandise everywhere. It's hung from all the trees, all the different twig men now the director (laughs) said that that's the original image that he had for the movie was that he saw once when he was a kid like a little twig man hanging from a tree and he thought it was the scariest fucking thing ever and that's like the symbol of the Blair Witch Project now of course we would be making crosses out of reeds back home in Ireland Mm. not little scary men no I mean it is quite scary isn't it is it I didn't think so no all the weird shit as a kid Seeing that didn't scare me. That was one of the few bits where I was like, oh, uh, I don't know. When I was a kid, what scared me 
was how scared they were getting. Because I yeah. kind of felt like, like I was like, that's not scary, but I'm sad at home. And, you know, that's not scary at home. But if I had any bit of empathy for a second, I'd be like, oh, wait, but for them, that is scary. I've seen twigs before. But these Come guys on, have obviously never seen a twig in their damn life. These people have never been forced to make hundreds of crosses out of reeds for fucking primary school like I was, so... Oh, okay. We, see, we didn't have that, so maybe it's less of a... Tying sticks together is not a thing I've really done. It got to the point, son, because it happened around the same time of year that the hot cross buns would come out. Mm. And I think, is it St. Bridget's Cross? I'm trying to remember what the fuck it is. But the hot cross buns would come out and go, oh, great, lovely, delicious hot cross buns. But that meant that you're going to spend at least fucking nine hours in school making these fucking stupid things. And it's like, oh! Oh, but there's the story of Saint fucking Diddly Doo, who made a thousand of these. I don't care. Give me my buns, all right? The only hot cross I care about are those hot buns, all right? <laughs> who do you think made all of these stick figures in the production of this film? Do you think it was the fucking actors again? Do you think they had to do it? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's like, yeah, your new instruction is to make all the sex make all the props. We can't Yay. afford a fucking prop dresser. Come on. Now write some s- scary shit on the walls in this dilapidated house. Of course we've not done that. You know what, Sam? This movie, they did not do a risk assessment. No. Come to this bit of the woods. There's an edit suite. If you can just clip some of this footage together, that would be that's part of the experience of it. Come on, guys. Can you upload your death certificates onto IMDb, guys? There's some sort of authentication thing. It's two-factor. We need you to do it. So they go to sleep again, I think. Yeah? Yeah, and this is kind of... We're getting to the point in the movie where, like, they're asking her to stop filming at points. Mm. Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of asking, like, they're saying it's not appropriate to film at this point. Like, Heather the whole time is still got the camcorder she's getting everything yeah yeah the guys are starting to feel a bit uneasy about all that Mm. and then they're just walking around just screaming help help and then fuck (laughs) i would love a situation where someone was screaming for help and no one came but then they screamed fuck and someone was like i'm on my way (laughs) john where are you going at this hour i don't know there's some cool kids swearing i want to go uh I want to go smoke cigarettes with them. <laughs> Just swearing back at them, like, shit! <laughs> Wanker! <laughs> so they see all the spooky stick figures, they're freaking out a bit, they're, they're mm-hmm. a bit tired and scared, confused. Now, the next time they go to sleep is when they start hearing the, the, the noises of the children. Yes, the, the laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a nice noise, isn't it? Children laughing. Yeah, because children are in the middle of the difficult. night. Yeah, children are notoriously difficult to make laugh. Yeah. Doubly so at night time when they're all tired and cranky. So they should be delighted. That Blair Witch is doing a fucking bang and tight five is what we know, Sam. Putting <laughs> them up like. With kid-friendly material as well, no less. Can you imagine? The Blair Witch works clean. Yeah, that's why the Blair Witch got a Perrier Award. She's not, she's not the Blue Witch. <laughs> The Blue Witch Project. Come here, you seven little bastards. I'm going to fucking kill you. So, I, again, I'm genuinely like, I've lost track of where we are, which is quite apt for this film. That I'm like, oh, Kevin, I've got all this stuff written down, but I can't, I, I can't figure out what it means or where we are in the position Sam, of it. I've kicked your notes into the creek. What are you going to do about <laughs> it? <laughs> I, tell you, I think this podcast is just going to keep going south, is what I think. So, is this the point? Where they hear the kind of moaning, the weird noises, the children, and then there's actual clawing at the tent, or is that later? Yes. Yeah. No, that's this point here. And then, in the morning, the pack is gone, and they find slime as well. Yeah. There's a bit I want to talk about here that's one of my favourite scenes of this whole thing. So there's clawing at the tent, and it's like, fuck it, let's let's run, because... 
obviously someone's attacking us. You never see what it is. You never see what it looks like. I think that's probably one of those Jaws-esque budgetary, we don't have money to make a scary thing, so we'll just, yeah, you know, make it, the fact that you don't see it and you build up an idea of what it is makes it more scary. And it works quite well. But they, they run away into the night and they kind of just huddle together in the dark. They turn their lights off so they can't be seen. And they're just kind of filming and breathing and whispering to each other and chatting and trying to calm each other down and work out what's going on. And the fact that this, there's this whole sequence just in the complete pitch black and they're just chatting. And trying to calm down. I don't know. It, it that just felt really good, intense, and that the, you, you you're not sure what's going on around them or where this thing is or what's going on, and they it don't know. Puts you right in their boots because you're seeing and hearing exactly what they are. It's yeah. totally immersive. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there because you're not seeing anything. They're not seeing anything. You're just hearing it, and that's what they're doing. Also, I was a bit cold. <laughs> <laughs> So the following morning, mm. when they go off hiking again, this is when they notice that they're going in circles and mm. that they're not going to get their orienteering badge, basically. And yeah. Josh, like, you know, he's going for full scout badge regalia here. He's proper takes it bad. And this is the scary bit. when Josh, like, he loses his shit. And he, like, he starts screaming at Heather yeah. about, like, what's your motivation? Why are you doing this? Why did you keep filming? That scene was apparently more or less an actual argument that they had. Right. Okay. At the end where she says, I've got nothing left. I'm done. That's it. That's all. She, she was basically her way of saying, please stop. You've like really upset me with this shouting. I found watching this that this is very well acted. Would you say so? I mean, here's the thing, right? Have you ever, you know, being hungry sucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been like camping or anything like that? Have you ever like slept out and you know out yeah. somewhere uncomfortable where it's cold? Yeah, and you're also hungry. Yeah, like it's literally these are the things that make a cranky human being, mm. and all the pressure and the tension. Like I don't even think that the directors realize what a perfect hot house environment this is for just breeding fucking drama and resentment. Because yeah. all three of these are actors who want to make a big name for themselves. Obviously, yeah, but also they got come to the fact that they're all cold and they're miserable and they're getting each other's nerves and they're getting lost and they're they're legitimately hungry mm. so there's part of me that says yeah that's, of course it's great acting but for me great acting would be if you sat into my sitting room and you could just go boom like that and turn that emotion on without having to have experienced all of that horrible shit well, that's the thing i was at the time i was thinking this is very well acted whereas after what you've told me about their experience of filming it they're human I'm sort of thinking these like. are real people having a bad time yeah um, and that bit where he's kind of shouting at her saying what's your motivation your motivation is this we're lost we're scared and like I know they're probably like acting that word motivation takes on a different connotation so when I was watching that scene knowing that that's where they have a real argument and the word yeah. he's saying what's your motivation it's kind of like him saying are you doing this because you're acting or are you doing this because you're being a fucking dick or like and I think it's just the confusion as well you know and probably somewhere in the back of all their heads they're like no matter what just go along with it yeah even though they're having all this fighting and kind of in the the sort of canon of the film none of these guys are supposed to be acting no you know but within the reality of what's happening in this situation they are supposed to be acting and so it's like it almost doesn't quite make sense as an argument that they would be having i know it's like Mm. she she keeps filming yeah yeah. like a movie what's your motivation Mm. but like they're making a documentary and also as well, I think they probably got like hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage from these guys. Yeah. You know, and uh. you only see, I mean, this is a fucking trim 80 minutes, this movie. So, you know, I think a lot of it probably goes on of what they edited and opted to include in this movie. But yeah, I mean, these are all really great actors in their own right, I guess, mm. for what they did here. But I think their lack of career afterwards probably speaks for itself. But I think that's more to do with... Well, they were dead. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's it. The extensive <laughs> efforts to make sure that they could not have a career. Yeah. Were, well, they worked. They were successful in that end. Yeah. Now, Lady Heather, though, went on to start a pot farm and wrote a book about her experiences. Oh, awesome. And small little nice bit of a happy ending with the new Blair Witch came out a few years ago. Yeah. She, like, had a complete breakdown. She wrote, like, a, an article about it. Like, she had this big breakdown because it's like, oh, she had to see all of the pictures of her again and talk about the movie. Yeah. And Lionsgate, who actually owned the rights to the movie at that point, they reached out to her and said, look, just so you know, we know you had a hard time on, on all of this, so we're not going to use your name or any of the pictures of you in the first movie or any of the footage of you to promote the movie, just to kind of say, sorry. Oh, I guess that's nice. <laughs> Kind of. It's the nicest Hollywood can do. And they sent her some pears and water biscuits as well, so it's all right, like... Yeah, uh, but Heather says this thing that, like, making the movie is all she has left. She's movie mad. Yeah, pretty poignant, you know, when you're scared and you're alone, and but you still have this, this thing, thing that you've got to do, this thing you want to achieve, this thing you want to build. This reason that you're here. Yeah. In the morning, in the AM, Josh is MIA. Mm. He's gone. He said in an interview where he went afterwards was that he got stoned and went to Denny's and had a big breakfast. So that's where he is at the moment. Hold on. Wait a minute. Back up. What? 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 Because of the way they filmed this, he just actually had to go somewhere for a bit. So he left. He's gone now. Right. They brought him back for the final shot. Yeah. Uh, he was there, obviously, but he got to leave then for for that point in the movie. Huh. So, yeah, the movie was all, f- like, what it's shot in order. Yeah, yeah. You know, they didn't shoot anything out of order. That's all right. done, like, in, in order, yeah. The bit where he has to go away, he just got to go and eat some Denny's. He didn't hang around on the yeah. set. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't have to, like, hang out in the wings, like, going, hey, guys, you know, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Help out or anything. Is that I'm escaping bit? hell now. Goodbye. Yeah. So they find a... Bundle of twigs tied together with a nasty, bloody towel inside, which is pretty much the worst gift you could ever get from a witch or otherwise. Yeah, is it a bit of Josh in there? Is that what it is? You're you're not told, but you're led to believe. That's probably. I, I couldn't really tell what bit it was. It looked like the piece that when people sham faith healers take out a piece out of you when they go woo with their hands and then they stick their hand in you and go woo. Have you seen um that bit? Man on the moon. Yes. Yeah. It's like bacon. <laughs> It's just puppets and stew meat. That's all it is. Yeah. Now, I will say here, her hyperventilating and her screaming, Mm. it's so real. Like, we've seen so many movies on this podcast where it's the big, ah, you know, the big crash scene, the big proper Hollywood scream. Mm. Her terror here, it's fucking, it's a real dirty, greasy, proper fucking scared. Yeah. Like, that that was the fucking real part with the movie. This is where it really got me again. And I was honestly, having done the bit of research and being told so much about it by Joe beforehand, I kind of thought this movie couldn't scare me anymore because I know too much about it and I kind of have so much of an opinion about what went into making it. Mm. But that part where she's hyperventilating and screaming into the camera, like, that bit really got to me still. Like, I could feel the fucking terror oozing out of the screen all over me and it made a bloody mess sam might i say but yeah then we get the iconic shot of her in the tent don't we it's yeah it's the famous bit with the nostrils famous bit with the nostrils and the famous the famous line she says so she does i'm so sorry so i am (laughs) (laughs) she does yeah oh man that fucking snot though seriously whoa man that's shoot tears right there that's real crying right there yeah I mean, you got to do more than draw on some sad childhood memory to make clear snot come out of your nose. That's proper fucking pure. Yeah. Honestly, Tom Hanks could probably make that fluid. Naomi Watts obviously could make that fluid. (laughs) 
but I can't think of too many other people. Maybe that that kid from the first scene. They they could, but other than that, you know. Oh shit! I just realized something. You know, when they come out, uh, Josh's pack is like, oh, there's something wet on it, and he's like, oh, it's just water. He's like, no, no, it's slime. Yeah. Do you think what that was was like the pure acting emotion that came out of his nose? <laughs> That's what that is. Like another crew has been through here, like, acted their <laughs> fucking heart out. Like that wasn't just, mm, um, he went for it. That wasn't a plot part of the film. They just had been so emotional that they just snotted all over their stuff. Blech. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also as well, if you ever see an actor, particularly a high-end actor, crying like that and the mm. ooze comes out their nose, make sure you collect it into a small vial because that will sell for millions on the black market. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that shit, like, you know, honestly, I think that's... Liquid gold. The, right liquid gold aspires to it. Mate, we got <laughs> off the gold standard. Now we're on the clear acting fluid standard. You can see why this scene is iconic and why it's basically on the poster and it is what the film is known for. That's the bit that gets parodied. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Because it's great. It's very well acted. It's shot in a unique way that looks kind of crap but i feel so bad for her though that that's kind of that's what she's known for because it's flattering no it's a very personal very unflattering Mm. very memorable scene that's what's scary about it yeah if she was crying and like had framed it well and looked great not as scary yeah but she probably would have gotten a few more roles afterwards though maybe yeah but if she's just like uh, like trying to apologize to some mums and mm. crying and saying, I'm going to die, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and doing a big snot, then it's like, yeah, the fact that like it, it's not flattering, it, it's very visceral, and it's it's mm. real. At this point, people hadn't learned how to take selfies, you know? <laughs> they didn't know where they were going to point that camera. She couldn't see her reflection in the thing. She was like, I need to get this out soon. I need to point this on myself and make a message here. And that makes it super real, super emotional, super iconic. Yeah, and that's what basically happens when someone from Generation X tries to take a selfie. It uh, looks like, like that. What do I do? I'm so scared. I'm so sorry. Like, if, if my feed is ever found by anyone, <laughs> I'm so sorry. So we come to the finale, the big scary scene mm. where they come across a house. The house, the house, who knows? Is it the house where the man had the seven children? The house where Miles does his business? Yeah. We may never know. But inside, straight away, you're hearing screaming, you're hearing noise, the camera's absurdly shaky, gets dropped a few times. You can't you catch a glimpse. Yeah. Tiny glimpse. What could it be? Is it a horse? You don't you don't know. Terry like a horse. They're led into this house by the disembodied voice of Josh. But they know it's not Josh. Yeah, because Josh is in Denny's stoned, as we've already been established. <laughs> they, like. they know it's not him. Sam, he's elbow deep into an Olympic Grand Slam breakfast right now. He ain't calling out to nobody. But these characters are like, well, let's go and film whatever's here. I mean, fair play to them, you know? Yeah. That they're willing to just be like, you know what? We're clearly going to die in this scary house. Might as well see what's inside. Because when we die, someone's going to find this camera and make a bloody killing out of this footage. Sam, this is basically what's going on is the exact same thought process you had when you opted to stick it out on Darren Brown's malfunctioning ghost train. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're the the real hero here. (laughs) You know what? If I keep going with this, then it's going to make a great story for a podcast one day. You know, even if I perish. You know what the most about is? You... And a malfunctioning VR headset yeah. made a more immersive, scary experience than Derek <laughs> Brown. And I'm really proud of you for that. Uh, I really thought 
it was such a clever thing. Like it was, he's like, he's, this is storytelling. All right. This is what he's doing. He's nailed it. He hadn't. It was just a, it's, it's a bit crap, really. Don't tell anyone, but it's a bit shit. Tell me now, Sam, you know, there's lots of ghost trains out there and they, yeah. you know, they're all of varying quality. I still want to do a podcast where I go around the country reviewing and testing all of the ghost trains. Because anytime I see a ghost train, I always go on. Always, always, right. always. And the working title is Boo Boo Choo Choo. <laughs> <laughs> Can, can I be a guest on an episode of Boo Boo Choo Choo? Well, that depends, Sam. Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. All right, then. Oh, that's good, because I'm brave as shit, so we need we need someone for B-roll eeks and streaks. That's dynamic. So in this scary house, there's bloody handprints on the wall. That wasn't me being exasperated, but there's bloody handprints on the wall. There's, like, <laughs> actual handprints made of blood, presumably from all the dying children. It's a little bit on the nose, isn't it? On the hands, and then it's made on the wall. <laughs> but this is what happens, Sam, when you get a group of eager interns to go crazy with a pen and a bucket of paint mm. and give them the plot outline. They're like, oh, we can put the handprints up. Yeah. No one thought to say it's a bit much. It kind of works. Were you scared at this point, though? Because I remember, like, this was the bit that scared me as a kid. Like, I was sneery the whole way through as a kid. This bit as a kid scared me. As an adult, not so much, but... I mean, this, it definitely felt like the climax here, and it was... But, I, yeah, I didn't get that scared. I didn't get as scared as I thought I should have been. Like, I know a lot of people who saw this, and then, like, once the credits hit here, they were like, oh, hang on a second. They showed us nothing. They never actually had the Oogie Boogie monster you for more than a half se- And then I knew a lot of people who got quite angry. Like, they felt they had been tricked by being made scared without being shown loads of Oogie Boogie. Whereas, yeah. I feel, if you get scared, you get scared, mm. you know? Maybe, you know, and I'd rather someone scare me without the cheap tricks than getting a jump scare where it's immediately forgotten. Like, you'll remember a long chill for many, many years to come. A jump scare is, you know, not committed to memory, as we've established. I mean, the more they showed and explained the black smoke monster on Lost, the less interesting that plotline was, you know? I refuse to acknowledge your, your media. Yeah. Do you know? You know what I'm no, saying? No, I fucking don't know, Sam. All right, so <laughs> Mike gets led into the basement by the disembodied voice of Josh. His camera drops. They've got two cameras. This is quite cool. You get a bit of both footage here. Yeah, both ends of the barrel here. And yeah. the, the people like piecing together this documentary, but like, oh, this is a nice opportunity to, um, in the fictional kayfabe context of this. Yeah. The people who are editing together the found footage, right, have been like, oh, great, they've both got cameras in the same, at the I same see. time. In this scary situation, we can edit it together and make this really tense. We've got a point of view for both of them. You know, when you're playing Goldeneye and you're looking across at your mate's screen. Screen cheating, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing here. It's, yeah. it's like that. It's, but, like, Mike's camera drops. He's been hit by something. Heather goes down. He's facing the corner, which is what the creepy man who killed the children made the children do. Heather goes down. Film's over. We're done. We're out of here. That's the end of The Blair Witch. Sam! What were your thoughts of this movie? Did you enjoy yourself? I mean, we've done a few spooky swirls Mm. in the past. I know that The Exorcist was one that definitely turned up the volume on our arm hairs. And I know The Shining was always one that stuck with you. But where does The Blair Witch rank? I mean, I think we could both agree as the first of its kind. Yes. And as in terms of 
the how it was made and yep. knowing that it can and movie like this could never be made in this way ever again. No. I think it's it's fascinating. There's like no other movie we've done that comes close to being this interesting in terms of how it's made, from the unique perspective of the people who are filming it to the fucking shady practices of the production company to the absurd lengths they went to. If only professional wrestling tried to keep kayfabe alive <laughs> this much. Yeah, I, I think one of my biggest takeaways from this was that I, I thought it was very convincing in terms of the reality of the situation and the, the emotions of the actors. I thought it was going to be a bit corny. And I think there's mm. been films like this that have been shot in this way or presented in this way since that have been just a bit corny and felt acted. And this didn't feel yeah, like because that. Yeah, but... because when it's in like a very... Like, found footage, this is, like, found footage, very literally. Like, yeah. it, the quality is like that. If you look at, like, Diary of the Dead, which is George A. Romero, he did a zombie movie that's meant to be found footage. Mm. But it's all super slick and high def, and, yeah. you know, they move the camera perfectly to capture everything, and everything looks super cool, and everyone always talks directly to the camera, and the sound is awesome. The fact that it's kind of shit makes this movie a lot more legitimate, I think. Yeah, and I think what you've told me about the production of it and I, I don't know how like to what extent sometimes the way i'm picturing it is that they've just been forced into the woods and be like off you go on your own make a film but it's not quite like that right mm. a bit i don't know it's i i guess we won't quite know like how stressed these actors were and how much of it was real emotion and stuff but it, it has elicited some strong performances from these people absolutely and i don't know if that's a stanley kubrick-esque like just make them do it again and again and again until they get they actually get like what he did um, in The Shining with Shelley Duvall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making her take the same thing over and actually scaring her and making her feel, you know, unsettled. paranoid and stressed and unsettled. Whether what the directors have done with this has had that same effect on the actors and that's how you get such a good performance. Yeah, you get the performance with what could be a best described as something aspiring to be a morally grey area yeah, of, of, then of directing. It starts to feel a bit exploitative and weird. Yeah, and also, I mean... Most of the people involved in The Shining saw a decent piece of cheese for their yeah. for their time, and you kind of kind of wonder when you're talking about someone who had that much exploitation done, and all they had to show for it was you know regrets and not a lot of money, and yeah, only Heather got pears. I'm just saying the other guys got shit. So I don't know. I think at the time this movie would have been more freaky. Just the kind of groundbreaking uniqueness of it would have been more impactful at the time. I also think that maybe this movie, everything about the Blair Witch Project, the marketing, the production of it, the concept of it, everything about it is, is maybe more interesting than actually watching yes. the film. Is. Yes. I want I want there to be a kick-ass documentary about this. The most in interesting thing about it is not the film itself. No, absolutely, you're right. It's the world around it. And like I went onto YouTube today thinking... I bet there's loads of video essays about the making of this. I bet there's loads of stuff now. It's not really, like, no. honestly. Everything I found out, I pieced together from, like, articles written by the people themselves, stuff, research that Joe had done for her thesis, yeah. and, like, interviews with the directors and whatnot. In terms of, though, like, there being a documentary, there isn't really... I don't think there is anything out there. If there is, please, because I know people sent us on that amazing Shining documentary after yeah. we talked about the movie, and that, that's awesome. So if anyone knows of any, you know, big or small doc about the making of this, I'd really be interested to check it out because i'm sure there's more to the story than we know i mean i guess if there's not really any directors or crew present for most of the filming the only extra footage you're gonna get is the extra footage that was taken by the actors filming the film and yeah. that it's hard to say whether that's deleted scenes 
or whether that's behind the scenes footage because it's kind of both. Yeah. There is a longer cut out there as far as yeah. I know. But yeah. But anyway, Sam. Yeah. We've had a chat, we've had a we've had a ooh and an ah and we've had a aye. What is your star rating for the Blair Witch Project? This is tough because I'm fascinated by it and I want to learn more about it and I want to read more about it and find out more about it. In terms of the actual film and the level of scare, the level of scare wasn't great, Mm. you know? It wasn't a fright night. It wasn't a fright night. I thought the acting was good. I thought it was presented well as it was convincing when it was presented as what it is supposed to be, but it was all right, you know? It was okay. It's interesting. <laughs> I feel I've done a lot of three star wipes recently. You have. This has been the uh, the the season of threes. But I I honestly think this is another because it it's it's interesting. It's remarkable, but it's not it's not great. It's not fantastic. It's interesting. So I'm going to put this again straight down the middle. I'm going to go three star wipes. Three star wipes. Somehow the middle of five. We heard it here first. <laughs> oh, hello. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cinema Swell. This episode was produced by Kevin. It was edited by me, Sam, and the music was also by me. Remember, you can like us over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cinemaswirl. You can follow us on Twitter, that's at cinemaswirl. And if you've got any questions, queries, comments, or other stuff, you can send it on over to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Remember, if you haven't already, to subscribe on iTunes or whichever podcast thing you use. And if you like the show, leave a review. And if you want to help us out, recommend us to a friend. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.